1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just delighted you're joining me in my kitchen today. Please, please, for those new listeners, keep up on the latest news and giveaways on my Facebook page, which is just Kitchen Chat, Kitchen Chat, one word, and also the website with fun blogs and podcasts at kitchenchat.info. There will also be a new link to Apple iTunes, where you can download Kitchen Chat and And listen to it on the go. Well, I am just so thrilled about today's guest. As summer is upon us, a lot of us are thinking about cooking outdoors, grilling, barbecuing. And today's guest is really going to encourage and give the men out there the confidence to really start cooking. And who better than to learn from is goodness, the guru of barbecue. And as Esquire magazine calls our guest, he is America's master griller, none other than the wonderful food writer, food TV personality, and a cookbook author of 30 books. Welcome to Kitchen Chat, Stephen Reichlin.
0: Well, thank you.
1: Oh, this is so great to have you in the kitchen, Stephen. It was so nice to meet you in Chicago. It
0: was that was a, that was a nice
1: event, wasn't it? Yes, with the Chicago Gourmets, what a fun organization and a fun group, an opportunity ex- to experience grilling and barbecue and delicious recipes and um this is we have so much to talk about and oh my goodness, lots of questions about 20 questions have already come in from listeners and I'm going to try to get as most to most as possible. But I wanted to kind of focus on your new book. Of course, your very best-selling barbecue uh, Bible uh, is out there and, and just a wonderful resource. But this new one, it's called Man-Made Meals, the Essential Cookbook for Guys. What prompted you to write this, Stephen?
0: A very good question. Actually, it's the book that I didn't want to write. Uh, my publisher, the late Peter Workman, uh, kept asking me for 10 years straight, he asked me. I think his thinking was that having made so many guys comfortable at cooking outdoors at the grill, why not turn around and bring them indoors? But I kind of like a book that sort of has a, a deep backstory, you know, be it uh, the international travel like I did with Barbecue Bible or Planet Barbecue, or the kind of deep roots of American barbecue like I did in BBQ USA. So I, I didn't immediately see how I was going to kind of find the interest in this one. But the more I got into it, the, r- the more I realized, I mean, first of all, there was a personality story to it. Uh, and among the people uh, interviewed in the book are the actor Stanley Tucci. The founding father, Thomas Jefferson, who was channeled by one of his, uh, biographers. And, uh, this, so that was fun. And then there's, um, there's also kind of an activist message to the book, you know, which is that we guys, by manning up and cook, cooking, uh, by the kinds of food choices we make when we shop and when we cook, we can really have a positive effect, uh, not only on ourselves and our families, but on the planet.
1: And I love that. And as we discussed a little bit last night, Stephen, my dad was such a great influence in my life. And he and I love how you called these guys, food dude. <laughs> he was definitely a food dude. And um, just loved to cook and truly found the joy in cooking. And I just love how you're sharing that message with the guys out there. And, and one thing that was so poignant uh, for me to read in your book, Stephen, was the story about your granddad. Could you please share that with the listeners? That's such a beautiful story.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's the head note to a recipe called the dear dog. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, one doesn't normally think of hot dogs as being complex or worthy of a written recipe. But in fact, my grandfather had a pretty special hot dog that he made. And one of the secrets was the way he cut it, he split it open lengthwise. So You get more surface area browned. And then the other thing he did is uh, he used to wrap it in a uh, slice of fried bologna. Hmm. Well, the story is this, that when my grandfather lay on his deathbed, and, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to come in. I lived out of town, but I came into Baltimore to be with him. The last thing he asked for before he stopped speaking was a hot dog. And so I kind of tell this story and I tell the story of why his hot dog was, uh, was so good and, and what food meant to him. Because guys back in those days, especially back in those days, did not cook. And yet my grandfather did cook. He loved to cook and he had his little repertory and, you know, he would do the cooking. Then my poor grandmother would, you know, it was like a tornado swept through the kitchen <laughs> and, uh, she'd clean up after him. But, um, you know, I think it was my grandfather as much as anybody that inspired me to become a food writer.
1: Oh, that is just a beautiful story, and 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 all of these stories have recipes with them, and and in interviewing some of these food dudes, who was someone that stood out with a a really different kind of story as well, and and uh, fun recipe.
0: Well, um, I think Andrew Zimmern, you know, the great culinary adventurer, the guy who uh, you know, I caught up with him between bites of uh, giant bat and uh and New Zealand glow worms and uh <laughs> and Icelandic rotted shark, but uh he talked kind of about the emotional component of cooking, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and he pointed out that you know a lot of us guys have trouble expressing our emotions, mm-hmm. and for him, cooking is the way that he expresses his feelings. And I thought that was a, that was kind of interesting and beautiful.
1: Yes, that is a great story. Wow. Well, I know I I heard something really fun and interesting last night. I'd love for you to share with the listeners. And before we start talking about the grilling and all the questions that have come in, you are now officially a barbecue curator. Is that right? Could you share that fun news with everyone?
0: I know. So you think about the unlikely titles you will possess in this lifetime. (laughs) So. There's a new museum opening in New Orleans, and it's called SOFAB, the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. And the exhibit I'm working on, it is a uh, we, we are creating a barbecue trail of the South. So from each state in the South, there will be an object that will be kind of on this trail that snakes through the museum. And to give you an example, from uh, Georgia, we're getting a big green egg because that's where that is manufactured. And from, uh, from Texas, we have a piece of uh, Aaron Franklin's original Airstream uh, trailer that he used, you know, to, when he started Def Franklin's Barbecue. Wow.
1: Uh,
0: so it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's a sort of, you know, obviously the, it, for states in the South, I mean, there's, you, you could write books and books on barbecue in Texas, so to pick the one iconic object to recommend it is a challenge but um that is uh, that's that, that's the barbecue curator
1: that is great uh, and when is the they, museum opening
0: uh, the museum I believe is scheduled to open in September or October
1: Oh how exciting well we'll make sure we follow up on that and while' well, we're, you know I'll yes. be
0: I'll certainly be promoting it on my website which is barbecuebible.com. Yes. bd B-A-R-B-E. C-U-E-B-I-B-L-E.com
1: Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that Stephen and listeners, we're definitely going to put a link to his website so you can also see the fabulous books and the one we're speaking specifically about today is Man-Made Meals, but before we kind of jump into that and some of the listeners' questions just a basic question and, I, and I'm probably, I probably should be embarrassed asking this, but you know what the listeners know, I have hey, a cooking show. Hey, you're wondering, somebody else <laughs> Exactly, but here Here's my question. What is the basic difference between barbecuing and grilling? Is there a difference? Okay.
0: There's a big difference. So, grilling is a high heat method where you cook small, tender, or quick cooking foods directly over the fire. And it's generally a high heat, hot method. So, you would grill a steak, you would grill a chicken breast, you would... Uh, grill a fish fillet, you grill an ear of corn. True barbecue is an indirect method. You cook the food next to, not over the fire, in a closed environment. And when you barbecue, uh, the heat is transferred by wood smoke. So sort of smoke is part of the essential flavor of true barbecue.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So the smoke is what determines a lot of the flavor, I guess, along with the rub or the marinade then? And does it? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. But I mean, put it this way, all true barbecue has a smoke component. Some okay. grilled things that they're grilled over would, uh, will have a smoke flavor. But many grilled foods, especially if they're cooked on a gas grill, will not, or even a charcoal grill for that matter. So, um, you know, smoke, I would say smoke is the one dividing line, much lower temperature. He's, direct rather than direct that's the sort of characteristic
1: great thank you for clarifying it and listeners um also just so you know steven has this fabulous is it barbecue university that you um have classes that people can attend yeah. yes yes yeah. That is great. So we'll make sure we uh, provide that link as well. And speaking of university, we had a question come in from Michael Hyatt, who is the CEO of Platform University. And he asked, here's my grilling question. What is the best way to prepare and grill a tuna burger? We are looking for healthy alternatives to burgers.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, I'm glad he did. And in such books as BBQ USA and Planet Barbecue, he will find tuna burgers, Stephen Reikland-style tuna burgers. Uh, the best way to do it is uh, set up your grill for direct grilling and grill it over a high heat. What you need to do, though, is you really need to prep your grill very well to prevent sticking. That's much more of an issue with fish than it is with meat. So you're going to brush the bars the grill great clean. you want to oil them with a folded paper towel dipped in oil drawn across the bars of the grate, and it's also a good idea to brush the top and the bottom of the tuna burger with oil also, again. Plus, once you put the burger on, don't try and move it right away. Let it sit for a minute or two. At first, it will stick, and then as it cooks, it will come back up.
1: That sounds great. So, Michael, fire up the grill and try that tuna burger. That sounds wonderful. Lots of other questions coming in. Janet asks, what's the most common grilling error?
0: Well, the most common grilling error, um, I mean, I would say it's it's probably uh, letting, uh, not controlling the fire, but letting it control you. You know, and I'm thinking the guy that sort of throws the meat nervously on a raging hot grill and then somehow hopes the food will get cooked without getting burnt. Hmm. And, and the whole art of grilling is really about heat control, or one important piece of it is about heat control, Uh, and are many ways you do this on a gas grill, you use burner knobs on a charcoal grill, you build a zone fire. Uh, Another piece, you know, another kind of important technique is to create a fire free safety zone where you can put the food. And that's particularly true if you're grilling a fatty food, like let's say chicken. Uh, if you get flare ups, you want a, a part of the grill where you can move the food, uh, where where you can dodge the, uh, dodge, dodge the flare ups.
1: That is great to know. And I love the section in your book, Stephen, and listeners, you're going to enjoy this too, where you have a whole page dedicated to burn this, that some things it's okay to burn. And that was, that gave me just like a great feeling. Okay. <laughs> Even if the That's fire department comes over.
0: <laughs> so. That's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, because, uh, listen a lot so a lot of this book is written a little bit tongue-in cheek you know we are we guys are no longer Neanderthals I mean we're two generations into non-stop food programming on TV and I think there's a level of sophistication among male cooks curiosity and sophistication that is actually probably the highest it's ever been in our country's history yes but uh but there you know I put this sort of With a little wink for the clueless guy who burns everything. (laughs) And it's 10 foods that you can actually burn. So uh, a bell pepper, you actually want to char the skin jet black, and that will bring out the sweetness, and then you scrape off the skin. Hmm. Uh, Or another is a sweet potato. I mean, you lay a sweet potato on the embers. Or the third is what I call a dirty steak, and that's where you lay a steak right Hmm. on the coals, and you... Uh, grill the steak directly on the coals uh, Eggplant that's another food where in the Middle East people will char an eggplant just till it looks like a, the jet black as coal and they'll do it either on a grill or if you're an apartment dweller they'll do it actually right on the burner in your kitchen and once again that charring of the skin imparts this haunting smoke flavor uh, wow. that just doesn't quit. Oh,
1: that just sounds great. A quick question came in from Sid Edelman. He said, charcoal or gas, is one always better than the other? As a gas griller, can I ever claim that my method is better?
0: Well, I mean, ultimately, if, if you have a listener or if someone has a grill that produces results that delight them and their family, they're doing the right thing. In that debate, I personally would pick charcoal over gas because it burns a little hotter and drier, and it's also very easy to smoke on a charcoal grill, and it's very difficult to smoke on a gas grill. Okay. Uh, So that's sort of the first piece. Um, But actually, I would reframe the question because to me, the most flavorful fuel is actually wood. Hmm.
1: Wow. Okay. So how does that happen?
0: Well, you get a wood-burning grill. Uh, if you go up on my blog, actually, we feature, I'm sorry, on my Facebook page, we featured one last week. Uh, it's made by a company called Grillworks. Uh, wood-burning grills generally are open in the front so that you can feed them logs easily. And you see, when you burn charcoal, you get a high dry heat, but you don't really get much of a flavor. However, when you burn wood, you get both smoke and heat.
1: Wow, so it's kind of like a little fireplace outside.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. Great. Okay. This is wonderful learning about all of this. Another question. Oh, all these guys are sending in lots of questions. Chad McGavick says, how do you determine when to put the cover down and when to leave it up?
0: That's a good question.
1: Yeah. That is is a
0: good question. So I use what I call the rule of palm. And the rule of palm states that if you're grilling something thinner than the palm of your hand, uh, you leave, like, it's, you know, shrimp, asparagus, I mean, thin stuff. You leave the grill lid open so that you can monitor the progress because those are items cooked so quickly. If, on the other hand, what you're grilling is thicker than the palm of your hand, you close the grill. Now, if you're indirect grilling or smoking, you always close the grill lid.
1: Okay. Okay, that's great advice, the palm factor. That is wonderful. Um, And then John Walker asked, how thick does your meat need to be to consider use of hot and cooler areas of the grill?
0: Well, um, what your reader is talking about is actually a two-tiered fire. And uh, I use that when I'm cooking, let's say, uh, if it's a double-thick pork chop or maybe uh, a one or two bone uh, rib steak but I mean cut really thick like at least at least two inches thick and the idea of there is that you sear the outside over the hot zone of your grill and then you move the chop to the medium zone simultaneously giving it a quarter turn to lay on a cross grill mark and then you turn it over and do the same things. The high heat is searing the medium heat is cooking and that's what you need
1: that sounds great. I'm loving all of these questions. Ruth Blackstock wrote in, what is your take on the big green egg? Do you feel like it's a fad or a great, a great tool to have around?
0: Well, I feel like it's a great tool to have around. Um, it's a very distinctive uh, method of cooking. You, uh, Unlike other grills, you cook with the grill lid closed, always, Mm-hmm. Uh, ther- the thermodynamics are such that it's possible to go from very high heat to very low heat back again quickly. I actually spent uh, an afternoon at the Big Green Egg Factory in Atlanta last week. Oh. And, um, I, um, what can I say? I mean, we've always had eggs at the, uh, at Barbecue University, but I was, uh, I think People, people who love them. We, we call them the eggomaniacs the barbecue world.
1: <laughs> I love, it. it gives a new meaning to green eggs and ham. Yeah, really. For sure. Oh, how fun. Well, Karen wrote in, Karen Javis was wondering what would be some fun 4th of July dishes to prepare and, and maybe highlighting some from your new book, Man-Made Meals, The Essential well, Cookbook for Guys.
0: Funny you should ask, because I was just filing a uh, blog. We're just working on a blog and a newsletter this morning about the Reikland 4th of July menu. Uh, I will actually be home with my family on Martha's Vineyard come this 4th of July, and we're going to do a grill top clam bake. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start with grilled clams with linguisa sausage and uh, grilled garlic toast. Uh, we're going to move next to grilled lobster, grilled corn, and grilled Italian sausages. And then we're going to finish up with a smoke-roasted blueberry crisp. Wow. And... Let's see, uh, many of those recipes are in man-made meals. All of them will be on my website.
1: Oh, okay. and we'll make sure we have a link, listeners, for barbecuebible.com for all these great tips, uh, and cooking techniques and everything from Steve Reichlin. This is just great. And we have to do a special shout out, Stephen, to, uh, our mutual friend, Ann Willen, who, Absolutely. could you share a little bit about that special friendship?
0: Yeah, so uh, back when I was uh, 21, I went to Paris on a research grant to study medieval cooking in Europe. Uh, Anne Willen had just uh, founded a cooking school called La Varenne, named for a 7th century French chef, uh, that really would shape a whole generation of uh, American food writers. And I sort of walked in Anne's office to uh, interview her about medieval cooking, because she was also writing a book called Great Chefs. Sort of a history of food through ten of its greatest practitioners, and by the time I left her office, I was an employee of La Varenne, (laughs) and uh, she has been a great friend over the years. She's really been one of the kind of uh, one of the founding mothers, if I may say, of uh, of American cuisine.
1: Yes. Oh, she is a delight. And listeners, make sure you do download uh, my kitchen chat with Anne Willen. Just some beautiful memories are shared on that that podcast. And that's so great that that you were actually there at La Varenne. How very, very special. Well, Stephen, this has just been a delightful kitchen chat. I'm just so excited for the listeners to hear from you firsthand um, via this podcast with Kitchen Chat. And thank you for taking the time to answer their grilling questions. And and listeners, make sure you check out his new book, Man-Made Meals, The Essential Cookbook for Guys. We'll make sure we have a link on it on kitchen chat and it's a great gift for that special guy in your life and uh, or for yourself you know uh, the the females can use this just as well as the guys I t- intend to, to devour it myself so this is just great and also check out his barbecue university and and you also have the wonderful TV show can you let listeners know about that as well
0: great well thank you Primal Grill is the name of the show and uh It was a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. And listeners, please be in touch. Contact me, Margaret, at kitchenchat.info. And during this busy time, please remember, take a moment and savor the day.